Hello and welcome to Cult Classics. I'm Brandon Wolf, and today I'll be your verbal guide through the twisted world that Keith Rainier created called Nexium. With me, I have three guests here to talk about to us about the cult's foundational details, its stomach-churning practices and doctrine, and the aftermath of its fall. Throughout this podcast, we'll be sure to lay in some interviews of ex-members and people with ties to the cult, specifically highlighting the leader. Our first guest today, we have Kelsey Kaner, and she's here to explain the cult's foundational details with us in a little bit more. Kelsey, welcome. Thank you. Nixium was started by Keith Allen Rainier, who's the leader of the cult. He started this cult as a proclaimed self-help program. People who joined this cult took classes or workshops to better themselves and find enlightenment. The workshops would take place in Clifton Park, New York, but this group operated everywhere with the use of video chat. Keith was an enticing and charismatic leader who was overly friendly with everyone. He claimed he was enlightened and could help anyone. The mission statement for his program, and I'm saying that sarcastically, because it wasn't a self-help program, it was a cult. And by the end of this podcast, you'll understand why. But his mission statement, referring to his members, was classes pledge to purge themselves of all parasite and envy-based habits, to enroll others and ethically control wealth and resources in the world. He wanted to deprogram his members, and he wanted control over them. He convinced his members to get rid of all worldly ideologies, meaning their only source of information was coming from Keith. His members were isolated from the world. The members were invested and brainwashed. And his reasoning to his members for isolating them was he wanted them to overcome limited beliefs, fears, and anxiety and realize their full potential in life. And they believed him because he fit the part for a convincing cult leader. So this self-help program turned into an American sex cult that engaged in sex trafficking. Once you completed so many classes, or you were very involved, you would move up in the ranks, which were represented with sashes. Sashes. (laughs) Your sash color represented how high you were in the organization. If you had a certain sash color, you could then teach classes and help others become enlightened. Girls who were high up in the ranks were closest to Keith, and that's how he started his sex cult, which Taylor will explain a little more later. What I want to talk about first is how he and those who worked for him recruited members. Of course, everyone involved was very welcoming and created a connection with potential members. They would learn what they were going through and convince the potential members to sign up to take classes because that would help them. They would meet up to eat together or hang out, and that's how they would learn what they were going through and what issues they had in life. They they could have a great life if they were part of this community. Another way the recruiters would would grow closer with the potential members was through playing games like volleyball. Keith would hold events like sand volleyball or basketball where people would come and that's how they would be recruited. Once you are involved with the cult, Keith would enforce strict schedules to the point where no one had any free time to sleep. Once the subjects were exhausted and not in the right state of mind, that's when the MLM sex sex trafficking began. It started as a sorority or a sisterhood. It was a special group for those high up in the rankings. 
They called themselves DOS, which is an acronym for Dominus Obsequious Sorium. And according to a member, it meant master over slave woman. The girls who were closest to Keith started DOS, which they claimed Keith had nothing to do with, but he definitely did. Girls were then recruited by the few who started this sisterhood, and then those girls would recruit members, and so on and so on. And it kept going to make this pyramid scheme. So it was a cult hidden inside of a self-help program. The girls who were recruited had all already been a part of Keith's classes, so they were a part of the community. And like we learned, once you're in a community, it's hard to break away. The more you are absorbed in the belief system, the harder it is to question it. And girls join the cult so easily because, well, first of all, they didn't realize what they were getting into. And secondly, they thought this sisterhood would help them in life. It would be a community behind them. The girls had to send in collateral to join. This could be anything from their bank account number or an inappropriate picture. This was so they couldn't leave once they joined or else the collateral would be leaked. Members were controlled through shame, fear, and peer pressure. The girls had no freedom. They had to ask their master their master to do anything, even to eat. And their master was whoever recruited them. So here's a story about a first-hand witness of a girl who was in this cult. This is from New York Times. Sylvie, who joined the cult at 18, believed that additional classes could fix her. She testified that DOS was presented as something that would help her become the person she's always wanted to be. And nobody told her that Mr. Rainier was involved. Her interpretation was that this was run by a group of girls who were high up in the system, and this was a community. To join, she gave explicit photographs of herself to a senior DOS member named Monica Duran. Sylvie said she was told that providing collateral was meant to show dedication. And she was so fearful that her pictures would be leaked she did anything that Miss Duran asked. And this was including one time that she was led to a bedroom where Mr. Rainier sexually assaulted her. She explained how this was nothing like she expected it was going to be in the beginning. Her and some other ex-Nixium members said they remained in the group despite doubting it because they did not want to leave the programs they had trusted. Another first-hand experience is with a girl who doesn't want to share her name, but goes by Jay. Allison Mack was her master and a senior member of DOS. Miss Mack told her that fulfilling an assignment to seduce Mr. Rainier would help heal the trauma from her past experiences. She was being groomed to be part of whatever he wanted. She later said that she never carried out the assignment, and she fled. Nixia members were conditioned to believe that Mr. Rainier had moral superiority over them. People who upset him were often accused of ethical breaches, and they would be shunned unless they repaired them through a penance, repaid him through a penance. It got even more extreme. Sarah Edmondson smoked spoke out on her experience. She and many others were blindfolded and taken into a secret room, which the senior leader, Allison Mack's house, 
was where it was held. And they were branded with Keith's initials, similar to how a cow gets branded. They did this in order to bond. They said it was similar to the way in sororities, how they haze people in order to bond, except this was taken to the extreme. Edmondson said, while this was physically painful, traumatizing, and scarring, the, emo the emotional abuse that took place was worse. This cult was both, was both physically and mentally abusive. Thank you, Kelsey. I mean, I don't know about you listeners at home, but it's really quite terrifying how much effort they put into creating this whole facade of sorts when they were talking about just being a self-help group and to keep it under wraps, really, for the most part. It really makes you feel vulnerable in a sense. Next up, to just emphasize this, we have uh, an interview clip from Keith's lawyer in the midst of the aftermath, courtesy of NBC. What about Keith Ranieri and his tenuous relationship with the truth? He claimed he graduated from high school and started RPI at age 16. That's not true. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know when he started. He claimed he, he could make full sentences by the age of one. If, if exaggerating about one's resume is a crime, I think we're all in trouble. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm probably not either, but yeah. other than the two of us? This guy is a liar. He has a long history of lying about himself and his achievements, including his time at RPI, where he was a 2.2 GPA and not a triple major who set records at the school. That doesn't worry me in the least. No? No. What a chilling clip. The power in words and manipulation that Keith had in his arsenal was truly terrifying, especially for parents out there listening. Diving a bit deeper now into what this twisted cult is really all about, we have Taylor James. He'll be discussing the cult's disgusting practices, doctrine, and more stomach-churning details. Welcome, Taylor. Going back on that video clip, I think it's kind of disgusting how we're told that he's constantly been lying. No one ever tried to call his bluff or anything. They just kept allowing him to lie, and he kept getting away with it. And you can see that transition over to his cult, where he branded himself as the vanguard, and that he could... Uh, cure people's physical uh, uh, pains and things along the lines of even OCD. He said he could cure OCD, and I, I don't know how he's doing that. kind of seems made up to me, but people listened to him, and they followed it because he could reveal their full potential. What he was actually doing was starting a sex cult. What he did with this sex cult was brand them, like Kelsey said earlier, and he'd, do that, and he'd keep uh, manipulating them through things like sleep deprivation. And going off, something that was the most disturbing to me was some of them were taught that they were high-ranking Nazis in past lives. When you get into calling yourself high-ranking Nazis, I feel like you're straying from the path of normality of just day-to-day -day life. I think that you shouldn't be idolizing yourself and hoping that you were a Nazi in your past life. That's personally just very wrong and twisted to me. Uh, and I don't know how people could hear that and be like, oh, yeah, I was a high-ranking Nazi in my past life. Let me wear that on my chest as some great thing uh going off of some of the manipulation that they use there was something that they did called cleanse themselves of the voice that they don't have control of that would allow for people like keith and the high-ranking members to go in and basically say what you're doing is wrong and we need to change it because it is so wrong that you don't even know that it's happening and you're in need of help that no one else can give you besides us and some of the minor altering practices that they use were sleep deprivation, where leaders would wake them up and make them go on walks and make them do uh, things at 2 in the morning, uh, early in the morning, and basically pack their schedule the entire day. So these people would go do something an entire day then get waken up at 2 in the morning randomly just to go on a walk. 
you know, these people didn't have time to think. They didn't have time to process anything. They were just constantly, they were basically robots just repeating the day after day and trying to get through it. A lot of this would also go in from these people just coming in for self-help, and it would evolve into the members having to join the sex cult uh, that was made in the end by the high-ranking officers and Keith. Uh, Kelsey talked about it earlier, but that's DOS that led to the uh, – uh, their sorority or bonding that these women would use. Another thing that goes off, going back to his name of Vanguard, this man created a name for himself called Vanguard to kind of make himself seem higher than everyone else. That's always something that's off-putting to me. I don't really understand why people give themselves nicknames. It's pretty childish. It's not even, I don't know how you think, wow, I have this cool name, Vanguard. That really makes a lot of sense. This dude went from having being somewhat successful with his self-help and then evolved it into something of just demoralizing women and going in and going off about having sex with them and sexually assaulting these women. But he was the vanguard. He was someone that's supposed to protect people. That's really off-putting. It doesn't make me feel good. I feel like anyone from the outside, I think that even these women who were high-ranking officers inside of it should have seen that and been like, wow, that doesn't sit too right with me. Yeah, he fit the perfect part for a cult leader um so he was able to easily brainwash them like i said earlier he was so charismatic and he was just very convincing and friendly so they trusted him yeah the, he, even the ways that he made them prove their loyalty of making them brand being branded he uh, made it so that he couldn't question any of the leaders uh that they had to have a sisterhood that all of them were one and if you you don't want to hurt your sisterhood because all of you were a family and you had to kept giving them objectives. You got to get the higher sash and that's your entire goal. You don't have any other goal but to get your higher sash and make the group, your sisterhood happy, meaning that they were all relying on each other and they couldn't think for themselves. And as a, another way was he kept them away from society. They weren't allowed to have phones. They couldn't talk to people outside the cult because they weren't pure. They weren't enlightened like those inside of it. Uh, some of it, like Kelsey said earlier, of they... You had to ask people. You ha constantly had to ask your master for things. So they didn't have control over their lives at all. They were basically by themselves in a new environment with no one that really cared about them. They were just being taken advantage of uh, being left with nothing besides themselves, which they would even get burned, sexually assaulted, and mentally abused. They would also have to call anyone above them their master, which people don't think that that's a huge thing, but it's a... Uh, it's very demeaning to someone, making it so you have to call someone your master, meaning that you don't have control over your own life. And there was also demand for period, uh, purity, uh, that you had to live with the leader. You had to basically live for the leader. Uh, you couldn't have a job. You had to focus on that cult and be with Keith the entire time. Yeah, many of the people who um, started out just taking the classes Keith later said, oh, if you want to get more serious about this and truly, you know, get rid of all your anxiety, all your fears, you need to live with, they had this big community, you need to live in the community. And he convinced people to quit their jobs and just work for the cult, which like we learned in our class, that's a way of um, brainwashing people and isolating them. Yeah, that isolation really did get to some people because when you're stuck in an area with no way of talking to anyone else, there's no out, you're by yourself. And if you're not strong enough or if you've been brainwashed too much, you're not going to be able to get out. Uh, and another thing, the last point, which we touched on a bit earlier, was the uh, confessions. They would basically force you 
to give them something. And if you didn't, uh, if you didn't, you weren't able to get into the group. So let's say nude pictures, a uh, secret about yourself or, or those around you that if you release, it would ruin your entire life. So they basically force these people to come in, give them something and not be able to leave. And if they do leave, their lives are ruined anyway. So they gave the option for these people between either staying in the group or not having a life outside of the group. Yeah, I don't want to reiterate too. The reason they were so willing to send in the collateral was because they thought it would show how dedicated they were to the group because they were so brainwashed by now. And so then after they realized what a mess they were in, they couldn't leave because their personal information would be would be leaked and they were worried that their lives would be ruined. And so they just kept continuing to stay in the cult. So as we're looking back, these brainwashing methods of just and physical and mental abuse are all being combined together. So we have people that are going in looking in the start for just self-help and they're being taken advantage of. And that's what Keith did and his high-ranking officials. They took advantage of these women who were in need of help, even though they were uh, trying to show themselves as something where they could get help. Thanks, Taylor. I mean, I don't know about everyone at home, but I mean, all of that is really disturbing to me. Uh, now we're going to get into a clip. Uh, it's really bone chilling. So, I mean, if if this is already too much for you, I'd, I'd get off now. But uh, this next audio clip is from the leader himself, Keith Rainier. And uh, you're just going to get a better idea of really what his whole thought process was behind it. You know, one of the things that's most important in our country is the justice system. And although, you know, people can hate me and do and think I'm an odious type of a character, you know, awful actually, um, the, both the devil and the saint should be able to get the exact same treatment under our justice system. Yes, I am innocent. And although it is, this is a horrible tragedy with many, many people being hurt, I think the main thrust of this has been the oppression, but really a, a different issue, which is hard for me to express. There is a horrible injustice here, and whether you think I'm the devil or not, the justice process has to be examined. I apologize for my participation in all of this, this pain and suffering. I've clearly participated. I've been the leader of the community. I mean, the clip really speaks for itself. His feelings on everything really, I mean, you heard him talking about justice and going back to the whole idea of branding and just needing everything to be a certain way. It's, it's really disturbing. Uh, what do you guys think at home? Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Colt Classics and let us know your thoughts on the pod today. All right. Now, unfortunately, as you may or may not know already, this cult is a modern story. Took place just Two years ago, recently around 2018, was around the time that the cult was officially disbanded. And with more on that, we have Alex Yang. Alex, thanks for being here. Now, can you tell us more about the modern events regarding this cult? Yes. So in modern days, girls cannot endure for the animal. They started to speaking up on the abuse in this cult organization from their leader with their evidences. Because of their endeavor in making changes, those evidences were finally revealed in front of the public. The police investigated this event soon. In March 2018, Keith Runier was arrested. 
indict on charges related to DOS, including sex trafficking, participating in sex trafficking conspiracy, and conspiracy to commit forced labor. The indictment alleged that at least one woman was coerced into sex with Renee. He forced DOS members to undergo the branding ritual alleged by Edmondson and others. United States Attorney Richard Donahue stated that Renier created a secret society of women who he had sex with and branded with his initials, coercing them with the threat of releasing their highly personal information and taking their assets. Renier's federal trial began on May 7, in 2019. On June 19th, he was convicted of racketeering and sex trafficking. In January 2020, a federal lawsuit was filed in New York, accusing Rainier and 14 associates of conducting illegal psychological experiments on members of the company and abusing them physically, emotionally, and financially. All right. Thank you, Alex. Uh, before we wrap up here, I just want to give everyone the chance. Uh, if you've got anything else you want to tell us, go ahead. Yeah, I want to add um, a lot of the information we found was from a documentary wa we watched on HBO. It's called The Vow. So if you want, if you are interested in this cult and want to learn more about it, I recommend that documentary. Going also off something that Alex said, uh, when they were investigating this dude, it was at least one woman was coerced into sex with Rainier. Uh, that's pretty hard to believe that only one woman was, but luckily they were at least able to find one to uh, be able to be used against him in court. However, if we're thinking about this from the large scheme of all the women that he had there, this man, this, this monster was probably sexually assaulting dozens of women, and he's going to get away with most of that. Uh, yeah, the one woman who came out about it, she explained that so many girls were sexually assaulted. They were just too afraid to come out because of the collateral that they had on them. Yeah, and even like we talked about so much about the collateral before, that's these women were in a place where they needed help and they went for help and they got now they're, they're just getting blackmailed and they couldn't get out even if they, they wanted to. So they went for help, never got help, and just got blackmailed and sexually assaulted. Uh, that's just a horrible story, and you wonder how these people can get away with things like that. And luckily, Keith Rainier didn't fully get away with it and is now in prison. Uh, but it was just, it's so not good to see that it was even able to be started and keep going for the time that it was. Yeah, and another thing we didn't mention a lot, but he also stole financially from them. Um, he convinced them to invest in his program and they were working for him. So I know a lot of the people who were working for them, they didn't get paid and they were, he was able to recruit a lot of, not super huge celebrities, but they were well known. And they, so they had money and they invested in his program. So he also took advantage of them in that aspect. All right, thank you guys. So, I mean, to you viewers at home, I mean, this is a good foundation. We gave you a lot of really good information on the cult as a whole. I mean, there's still loads of information out there that you guys can go ahead and uh, just look through or watch, like Kelsey said, the documentary. 
But, I mean, yeah, hopefully uh, you guys feel a little bit more informed. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to our uh, fantastic panel here. And, yeah, hopefully we're enlightened on uh, the true horrors that this cult was. Again, be sure to follow our social accounts on all platforms so you'll, be, you'll uh, know next time we drop a pod. Thanks for listening, and don't go joining a cult.